This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery just like Leicester City this season. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And now for something completely different. Watch us on YouTube. Listen on your favourite podcast platform. Or ask your smart speaker to play the podcast Lester Till I Die. Subscribe, like, follow and join in now. Strap yourself in. Because we're set up, switched on and ready to go. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Right, Chris. All right. Good evening. How the devil are we all? Uh, Well, I hope... um, well, I say good evening. It could be morning, afternoon, whatever, wherever you are in the world. Welcome along. Thank you for watching. If you are watching on YouTube or Twitch on Lester Till I Die TV, or if you are listening on uh, our podcast, Lester Till I Die, on your favourite podcast platform, um, thank you for lending me your ears. Now, I love this show, the conversation. Um, I, I get to speak to 
well, growing up were heroes of mine. I say growing up, they're like, most of them are younger than me. Um, but I, it's, I can't, you know, and I, and I always am so grateful that they give up the time to come and do this. But I never, ever thought that I could say, would meet anybody that could go home and claim, well, he said, these are his words, come to bed tonight, I'm feeling like a stallion. But we'll bring, <laughs> let's ask him about that. Good evening, Ian. How the devil are you, sir? Yeah, not too bad, pal. Thanks very much for having me on here. Brilliant. That is not the accent I was expecting. Uh, I'm, I'm even, I'm even worse now because I've been back over here for two years, and I was always told I had a bit of a mongrel accent, regardless yeah. with the Scottish kind of Scouse Canadian. Yeah, yeah I know. there's a bit of everything here. in there, isn't there? So, so what's it like being, being a stallion then? Tell it. <laughs> we've got to clear this up first. Uh, for me, I'm I'm just a coach of stallion. Say that's that's all I'm taking out of it. Um, now I'm head coach at Woodstock Soccer Club or Woodstock FC in in Ontario in Canada, mm. and we're called Woodstock Stallions. Our females are Woodstock Woodstock Strikers, our males are Woodstock Stallions. So it's a it's a name and it's a a bit of a a comment that was brought up by one of my senior players a couple of seasons ago and we were on a, a bit of a run as a team and we were playing really well and winning games and he'd uh, he'd said to some of the young boys younger boys in the team and I say younger I mean 19 20 years old and saying yeah. well you can go home and tell your tell your missus she's in she's in bed with a stallion tonight it's uh, <laughs> a little a little bit out of the blue and it caught us all off guard but it's kind of stuck a little bit and, I'm going to say, does it I mean something else in Canada by any chance? Sorry? Does it mean something else in Canada? Oh, no. No, it's the same thing. <laughs> it's the same, is it? Right? Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things. It's a, it was said tongue-in-cheek, but it was uh, it's kind of stuck and it's kind of – the guys still buzz off it a little bit and yeah. keep being successful and keep going home with wins. I don't mind. I mean, you're over there in Canada now, and we'll obviously come on to, to that, but uh, enjoying it, Woodstock FC coaching – yeah, it's uh, it was always tough to to stop playing. It's the, the mentality of a professional footballer. It's 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 a tough thing to get rid of. Um, missing the change room vibes, missing the the banter with players, and just missing the the day to days of it. Uh, mm. Going into training, going home, whatever, going out for dinner with with teammates and families and all that. And yeah. it's it's a it's a tough one to get rid of, especially mentally. Um, and then obviously physically follows. It's, it's yeah, uh, yes. tough to stay up to it when you're not day to day, but uh, it's um, it's good. I'm I'm enjoying coaching. It's what I've always wanted to do. When I I have to be a part of the game. I'm I'm one yeah. of those football geeks who I watch everything. I play as much as my body allows me to, and I, I enjoy passing on whatever wisdom I may have, and if not wisdom, like work ethic and and mentality, and that's something that's. It needs driven into a lot of people over here, players, like yeah. young players especially. Yeah. They do it for fun and it's it's good, but to try and get themselves to that next level that, that they're expecting, they need to flip their mentality of it. And that's something that I, I take quite a bit of pride in. Good, good. And and I, I, we, we talked obviously briefly before we came live. And um, you Canadian international, uh, 40-odd games for Canada, um, and, you know, six goals there. Do they look at you and because we always say this, don't we? With some of the coaches, if they haven't had success, they don't always get the respect. Yeah, I would imagine having been an international for Canada that that you don't have that problem. Um, not no, it's 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 one of those things that 
it's something that I know needs it needs worked on a lot with a lot of especially parents in grassroots football around the world, not just in Canada and the UK. Um, yeah. Respect for coaches, regardless of their upbringing. They're, a lot of them are volunteers and they're doing it for nothing. Um, but with me, I've come in here, obviously, I took over as a coach beforehand because obviously COVID, um, it, was, it was a tougher one for me to come in and do the job I'm doing now. Yeah. Um, so I just came in initially as a coach and that obviously expanded a little bit into uh, being the head coach of the club and head of coaches and head of the men's program. Mm-hmm. And I've had, in fairness, I've had nothing but respect from players and coaches around and teams we're playing against. Like I get the utmost respect from them when I do like Zoom meetings with uh, with AGM meetings and whatever. It's You go in and there's there's a respect level there. And it's, I don't expect it because I I don't go in and, right away saying, you know who I am. I'm not that. I go in and I'm, I'm doing my job while they're doing theirs, but they understand what I've done and I don't have to tell them and they, they respect it that way. And that's, that's something that's, it's kind of refreshing because I'm a lot, yeah. a lot younger than majority of them. Yeah. <laughs> Say good evening to Nate. He's from your side of the pond, but uh, he's uh, with the North. But uh, no, got good news. Is that, what time is it over there? It must be. It's five past four. Five past four. Good afternoon to Nate then. Um, yeah. <laughs> welcome along. I'm gonna say, I mean, like you say, you know, you 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 know, alluded to your Scottish roots there. Um where did the Canadian was it was it sort of grandparents? No, um well my grandparents moved over I wanna say late sixties, just for a couple of years. I don't know. I can't remember the reasoning. They moved over. My mum at the time moved over. Um, this was before she was with my dad. Uh, and my sister. So I have two sisters from a previous marriage that were, one of them was born in Canada. Right. Um, then my mum moved back to the UK and my other sister was born. Then she met my dad and me and my brother were born in Scotland. And then we moved back over here. My dad got a good job offer. And, um, it was one of those he couldn't really say no to. So we moved yeah. over here in 85, yeah, 85, I believe. That was a year and a half when I moved over here. Right, right. Um, hello to Leon. Yeah, he has he and Hume. What a speedy player. And we're going to get a lot of this tonight. And I, and I, don't, <laughs> I can't say I, I am surprised. And we will obviously come back to sort of your, your starting football. But you've got to say, Hume, I mean, <laughs> I remember a while ago you um, – you did a thing for me when I did, I did a section on the website called My Favourite Things. And I, I cannot imagine as a fan what it's like to have your name just shouted out in any way when you're on a football pitch. I was, to be fair, my first game that I played, I think I'm pretty sure it was against Chef Wed at, at the Walkers at the time. Yeah. And my parents came over for it and they started cheering. And my parents were wondering what the hell I'd done wrong already. Why are they booing? They're like, he's only been on the pitch for like eight minutes. Like, why are they booing? I think, I think I actually think I hit the post. Like one of my first touches for the club. Yeah, all dropped, and I hit the hit the post, and it went came out again, and they started. Hugh. My parents were like, "What the hell's going on? Like, has he done something against the club before?" And to be honest, yeah. I was like, "Yeah, it, it stuck," and I I loved it because I knew. And in fairness, if I had a if I had a crap game. <laughs> they were doing it. Yeah. 
dear. Oh, no, I say I do 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 remember those days. Do remember those days. But um, like I say, you, you you're born in Scotland. Um, you're a big fan of Liverpool, but you started work. You know, you were what your first team was through the youth ranks at Tranmere. Yeah, I'd had a couple other offers prior. Um, I came over on trial when I was 13 with St. Mirren mm. and oddly did really, really well and <laughs> not blowing my own trumpet. I, I I was training with like under 18s and then I trained with the, the right. full team at 13 years old, which was which was insane. And um, they promised me the world and mm. custard pied me. And then the year later, I came over and I was 14 with Hearts, which would have been my dream. Because obviously being from Edinburgh, my parents, yeah. big Hearts fans, my my family are still season ticket holders. And again, I was I had a couple of trials set up with like York and Hartlepool and Hearts all in three weeks. And I did my first week at Hearts and did so well, they asked me to hang out for the, the next two weeks. So I cancelled the other ones. Called up, thanked them for, for the interest. And at 14 years old, to, to get an offer to play for Hearts would have been a dream. Yes. And... Again, they pied me. <laughs> I played in the sixteen team, uh, two games in the under sixteen team. I think I scored three or four goals. Uh, did really well. Trained with the under eighteens and trained with Craig Gordon and all them. That was the age group level. Yeah. And then again, same thing. They pulled the carpet out and just left me hanging. And yeah. I took a a chance the year later when I was fifteen. Um, it was kind of third times a charm and came over with a like a select team from Toronto area. Yeah. And we played against uh, England schoolboys, Everton, and then Trapper. And did well. All the, like, Newcastle scout was out watching me, and he liked watching me play, just thought, was hoping I'd grow up a bit because I was really small, really slim. Um, then Everton were the same, but they're like, we don't need a striker in that position or in that style of play. Mm. And then, lo and behold, a couple of years later, they come out with possibly the best English player ever. So I was kind of, yeah. I was kind of one of those, no worries. And mm. Tramir, I played against them. It was against their under 18s and I was 15 and with my UK passport and they, they didn't think I'd have my passport first and foremost. They didn't think I was only 15. They thought I was 18. And when the coach told them, they, they rushed to, to get me over on trial and they'd already called my parents in the, in Canada before I even got back to Canada. So <laughs> It came over that year and did really well, and the rest is history. I came over when I was just before my 16th birthday and joined the youth team and went on to some good things. And was, uh, oh, definitely. definitely. I, 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 lo I loved it at that club, and it was just a, a lot of fun, to be honest. I mean, St Mirren, I mean, you know, we we have the ties with St Mirren with a certain uh, Riyad Mahrez not, not getting on there or getting on well there either. Um, although he did have to sneak out on a bike, I think the story goes. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it, it's a story. I mean, you know, we have the story of Jamie Vardy, which I had a discussion. I'll just say a quick hello to uh, Dan, Turf Morehouse TV. What a player. Would have loved you in Clariton Blue. He's a Burnley fan. But oh, we, I know. I'm surprised yeah. he's saying good things about me. Yeah, well, to be honest with you, I'm surprised he says good things about anybody. <laughs> Hello, Dan. How you doing? Um, but no, we, we, I was having this conversation with the Spurs fan the other day about whether Jamie Vardy will be remembered longer than Harry Kane. And 
you know, it's a story of Jamie Vardy not giving up, and that sounds very similar with yourself. You know, you were determined to give it a go. You got knocked back a couple of times, uh, and then it, you know, your perseverance paid off. Yeah, it's it's something that was kind of, and when I say drummed into me, it wasn't um, by my parents. It was, mm. it was my my love. Um, I I left school at fifteen years old, um, to my detriment. Now um, I'm not undereducated on piece of paper i am but i can yeah. be quite clever sometimes um there you talk you're talking to somebody exactly the same i left with two o levels art and uh, art and maths and i ended up <laughs> computers. well that's it like i knew what i wanted to do and yeah it was in canada we didn't have pathways to to playing we had a pro league which was kind of semi-pro with uh toronto links and montreal impact and whatnot back then and then we had university. So did I want to stay in school and play local soccer football for the next four years and then go possibly go to university or do I want to take a chance? And for me, it was a no brainer. Having the UK upbringing, it was uh, the mentality of my parents and my family and all that was I wanted to get involved in the, the UK and playing. Um, mm -hmm. So that was my choice. That was, it's a, uh, try until you die kind of thing. And I can, it kind of resonated a lot more as I got older and I, I put it into the way I played and I put it into the way I approached everything. And that's, I'm hoping majority, if not all Leicester fans remember that part of me, even though it was kind of dark days, I, well, I, I gave everybody everything I had. Well, this, yeah, well, I definitely remember. I mean, it was, you know, um, wasn't sort of the best of times, but, Every club, you know, go, goes through it, don't they? Um, just so everyone is interested, Manchester City have just scored a third against Arsenal, so that's going to op open the uh, 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 title race up. I should have put, I have actually got a Toronto FC shirt as well. I should have put that on tonight, shouldn't I? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I prefer, I'm not going to lie, I prefer that top you've got on because I have <laughs> yeah, well said, well said, like that. Toronto, like Toronto that. FC yeah. never, uh, took a punt on me when they had the opportunity and. I'm glad I didn't wear it. Then. <laughs> oh, I don't have any hard feelings. It's just I wish I'd had a chance to play over here. Yes, but, yeah. And at that point, though, I mean, Tranmere, Tranmere, in fairness, weren't a bad side. We were, we were a very good side. We were very young, um, mm. and hence the reason why we continued to do what we did in the FA Cup and and obviously the the Worthington Cup at the time. That was that was my first season there. So mm. when we played. Worthington Cup against you guys and Matt Elliott. Oh, so were you in that? Were you in that Tranmere team? I made my debut that year, right. so I I was on the bench against Middlesbrough in the quarterfinals. I want to say it was. Right. Uh, we beat them two one, and uh, Andy Parkinson scored possibly one of the best goals I've seen at at Prenton Park, and I was on the bench there, absolutely cacking myself because we went two nil up, and John Aldridge asked me to warm up. <laughs> Um, and I'd never been involved in the first team at all. I think I trained with them like twice. Wow. So that was a, that was many, many moons ago. And that was my first year. And we, we, we continue to do it year after year and in the FA cup and in, and now the, what's it called now? Carabao cup. Carabao cup. Yes. Yeah. Changing, changing it sponsor names all the time. It drives me nuts, but hey, hey, we, I, I can remember the milk cup and, uh, I can even go as far back as the Rumbelows Cup. Yeah. <laughs> that's how far back I'm going. Um, that's, yeah, that's it. That was uh, 
we we were really good, really young. A lot of players came through our system at Tranmere. Mm. We had at one point we had something like seven or eight players who came through the the youth team playing, and that was it was unheard of, and it was phenomenal at the time. And we were a selling club, unfortunately, mm. and that's uh, continually we were seeing players leave. And did you did you? I'm just trying to search. Then did you get on in, in the final at all? No, I was I wasn't involved then. Um, I was only in the quarterfinal that year. I made my debut after the final. I was there. I was a part of the squad. I was yes. suited and booted and all that. But yeah, um, I was part of the twenty three players or whatever that went were in it. But uh, I was nowhere near the, the 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 match day. Can can I say that I'm glad you weren't because the result might have been different. <laughs> yeah, I was I was but a baby back then. It was uh, I don't know how I'd have dealt with. Uh, Big Jerry Taggart and Matt Elliott. I think they uh, think Tags would have put me in the stand. They they didn't used to take prisoners them too, did no, they? You not know. at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, again, we have Jerry on occasionally on on, on the channel, and uh, we we love him because he 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 won. Well, after he left Leicester, he, uh, he 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 collided into Dennis Wise and nearly strangled him. So we love him for that. We love him for that. Um, yeah, Tags was here as a coach when I was when I was still at the club and. He's he was quality. He was always always getting involved in training, and he was a he was a character to say the least. Yes, yeah. Uh, Daniel uh, Daniel says here, how can you not like a man who uh, who <laughs> scores? Let's say he scores goal for me on Football Manager. Yeah, I was. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. I was a, I was a good utility player on on Football Manager. Back then. <laughs> I wonder how many players are bored because of the football manager or FIFA stats, you know. But but no, I mean that that was weird for me, like because that was the last um final, um League Cup final at the old Wembley. I, I managed to uh to I was working at Blackburn Rovers of all places at the time. Sorry, Dan, sorry. <laughs> but uh, um and and I went and it was weird because, and no disrespect to Tranmere, but of course we were the, the Premier League side. Uh, I think you were second tier at that time and we were favourites. And it was it was weird being in that position because we were always used to being the underdogs. Yeah, it was, uh, to be honest, it was an incredible atmosphere. Like Tranmere mm. filled their, their end without problem. Yeah. yeah. And it, was, uh, it was at a time where Tranmere was getting 17, 16,500 every game. Mm. Especially leading up to that point in the season with the cup runs and everything, and it was just a it was a surreal atmosphere for me, and I just thought it could have gone any way. Like yeah. I know Leicester were obviously the better team, but with how cup games went for Tranmere that year, I mean you you can never say. I mean cup games are cup games, aren't they? And you know David Kelly came back to haunt us and yeah. deservedly got the equaliser. Um, but you broke through um, the following year then at, at Tranmere. Yeah. So that season I made my debut. So I made mm. I played three sub-appearances at the end of that year. And then, to be honest, the year after was a bit slower. It was um, – I made, I made like – I think it was 15 appearances or 14 appearances that second season. Mm. And it was a bit discouraging a little bit because I'd made my debut the year before and then it kind of plateaued. Um, the big one for me was the year after that where – I just started playing a lot more often. I think I played something like 30 odd games my third year and it was, I started scoring a couple of goals here and there. And I think that's kind of where I grew into being a, an adult in a way. Yeah. I was, I was what, 18 and 
I just started growing and learning my game and with the senior pros that were around me was just helping me no end. And the next two, two and a half years after that, prior to my move to Leicester, I, I just continued to, to go up in standards and set standards for myself, set standards for, for me by coaches and, and other players. And it, it really helped me. And I just, that was pivotal in my career because it, it got me really understanding where I wanted to be. And I, I tried to push to as high as I possibly could. Unfortunately, things didn't go much higher. <laughs> but <laughs> it's a, for me, it's still a very good level. And um, yeah, yeah. I wish I'd have got higher, and I'm not going to lie about that. No. But a couple of things happened in my career that probably stopped that. But it is what it is, and I'm immensely proud of how things pushed on year after year. I think I think you know there's a there's a lot of players out there that would have you know loved to have um, you know got up to that level. So yes, I think you know it's a very good level to be at. I mean, 149 games um, for, for Tranmere, and bear with me if I'm wrong because, like you say, you can never trust Wikipedia. But yeah. 32 goals. Um, you scored 33 for Leicester in less games, so glad to see that. And I always say this to uh, to people. Um, do you remember your first goal, and what was that feeling like to get, you know, to get as a striker to get on the on the score sheet? First goal for who? I remember them all. Tranmere, sorry. First goal <laughs> for Tranmere was a front post header against Peterborough, and Gareth Roberts whipped it in from the right wing, whipped it in in swinger, got across the front post header, went mental as I do every time I score. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, thir- thoroughly enjoyed it, and that, that's what I'm there for. Is I'll only get remembered for goals. Regardless, there's a, there's a lot of people and strikers, unfortunately, doesn't matter how hard you run, how much kilometers you go through in a game and um, how many good touches you have. If you if you miss chance after chance, you'll be remembered for that. You and will. You, you can will. see the same thing going on right now with Darwin Nunes at, at Liverpool. Oh, yes. The guy's working oh, yeah. so hard for the team and he's doing so many good things, but misses chances and people just harp on about it. And I was like that for the start. At the beginning of my time with Tramia, that's what I was like. I was learning how to become more complete. And I was doing hard work for everybody, and they were doing hard work for me, but I wasn't getting goals. So going into that second and third and fourth season there is mm. when I really started to add that in. Yeah. And yeah. I remember my first goal at Leicester as well, Derby away, Pride Park. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, you're an instant hero yeah. <laughs> against Derby. I just want to say, I'm going to ask about the Leicester move in a second, but just very interested in what you were saying then about, about being a striker. I mean, at the moment, um, we have uh, Kelechi Inacho mm-hmm. that we absolutely love as um, as a player. Um, he struggled to get game time, and I think anybody would that had come through when Jamie Vardy's being Jamie Vardy. It was always going to be a trouble for anybody. Uh, but he was only ever getting sort of 10, 15 minute, you know, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Appearances, uh, you know, at the end of games. Uh, and then I think it was a couple of seasons ago, he had, due to injury, he was played up front with Jamie and he ended up being the club's top scorer. Mm-hmm. Then he was dropped again and now he's getting another bit of a run in. And I think Jamie's coming towards the end of his career. He, he's obviously scoring, he likes scoring in the FA Cup anyway, but he's, you know, uh, um, going away as a striker, do you need because this has always been my argument do you need that regular game time? 
because the way I see that if you if you're playing bit parts here and bit parts there, you're never going to get settled into a rhythm of being able to score. Yeah, it's it's kind of circumstantial though. It's mm. if if you're Ian Acho coming in and you're behind Jamie Vardy, like it's tough, especially when yeah. Vardy's scoring goals. Yeah. So you can't even go in and knock on the door and say, "Listen, I need to be playing." Yeah. It's so you you get your head around being that cameo player. One of the one of the most famous for that in the history of football is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Could yeah. he really go and knock on the door and say, "I want to play before Andy Cole and Dwight York"? No, but mm -hmm. he knew when he had to come on, or when he got the chance to come on, he had to make an impact. So yes. you do kind of get your head around it. Like it happened a lot with with me in my time. So when I was there at that Leicester with Matty Fryett, you yeah. had the likes of DJ Campbell, Elvis Hammond. You had guys Mark DeVries. These guys couldn't get in because we were playing well, scoring goals. One of us was scoring goals here and there, but they couldn't get in the game. So when they did get in, they had to make sure they did something. And it happened with me towards the the end of my or my time there when I wasn't playing. You had Stevie Howard or you had Barry Hales or you yeah. had. Carl uh, Court at the time and these things I couldn't get in and then I'd come in and I'd do whatever I could and you kind of everyone wants to play everyone yeah. always wants to play and if they don't they're in the wrong job yes if you're, yeah. if you're accepting of being a bit part mm. you're literally in it for the money and I, I'm sorry I have no time for that no 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 I agree I agree signed uh, deadline day uh, in August 2005 by Craig Levine which Probably as soon as you say that name, Leicester fans tend to reel in uh, <laughs> in disappointment. And to be honest, it was a difficult period because I think anybody coming in at that time would have struggled. Mm. You know, I mean, Ian Holloway ended up, and we'll come on to him later, but he ended up as being the manager that took us down. But we know he's not a bad man because he took Blackpool up the next season yeah. to the Premier League. Exactly. It was a club that needed a good and probably going down actually helped us in in a funny way, but um, I I I I do believe that. Well, I do. I don't believe. I know because my my son has got a shirt with. Uh, well, it's that black shirt. I don't know if you can see the black one on the left, the number nine. Mm -hmm. Your signature is on there because my son was a ball boy back in the days when there was only one ball boy. Uh, per team mascot sorry mascot not ball boy one mascot per team uh, away at burnley and craig levine lovely guy and they always are when you talk to them sort of you know and they're not uh, doing you know <laughs> or you're not losing games but how did that move come about because it was like you say transfer deadline day wasn't it it was it was madness because it was really really last minute because there was preston were in at the time and that's all I'd heard and all my agent had heard was I was doing well for Tramia. I'd finished the season prior when we, we got to the FA Cup quarterfinals and we did really well and I made a name for myself. And it got to the start of the next season and Brian Little came in to me. He's like, listen, there's teams after you. He goes, I'd love you to stay. He goes, but if we get over X amount, we've got to let you go for money. So I'm like, yeah. that's not an issue. I said, I obviously want to continue playing here, but... If it's the right move, I'll I'll accept that and I'll, I'll move on. So it was literally deadline day, and or it was actually the night before deadline day, and all I'd heard was Preston this, Preston that, and they offered and got declined and offered and got declined. And um, I had the last day of training, and Brian Little comes out to me halfway through the training session and says, Humi, you got to go. 
said, we've accepted a bid from you. I'm yeah. like, what? Impression? They finally accepted? He goes, no, no, Leicester City. I'm like, oh, crap, okay. So call my agent. He's like, okay, well, I'm because my agent lived in London at the time. Right. My agent's like, okay, well, I'll meet you there. And he called me, and he was going through the whole reasoning why they didn't accept Preston's offer. And then I have uh, David Kelly on the phone, because he was assistant coach at Preston at the time, saying, what the hell is going on? I said, I have no idea. Like, mm. I'm genuinely... Like, this is the first time I've ever been a part of a transfer kind of tug of war. Yeah. And he's like, they're not accepting anything. You need to get onto the chairman and get her. Like, get her to sort it out. So <clears throat> called my agent back. We went through all that. And they're like, no, we're not accepting that. We've accepted Leicester's. So I'm racing down the, the M6 to get to Stoke to come across. And again, David Kelly on the phone saying, what the hell's going on? Why aren't they accepting? This is bollocks it's like come on yeah. and it would have been ideal for me because it was more local yes um yes. and at the time that's when they were pushing they were getting playoffs every year and um obviously was it david Connolly just moved to wigan was it yes yeah. And, yeah. and craig levine called my agent and said listen we want him in we've got him in or we're looking at a younger version to come in and replace Connolly." Mm. so i'm like oh crap no <laughs> no pressure <laughs> No, no. <laughs> so just now i just continued down the road and uh met with craig levine and for me it was awesome because he was he was a hero of mine being a hearts of heart course player. of course and he did massive. well at hearts in he, did. He, was, he was massive for us yeah. and yeah. i always watched him and it was nice to meet him and everything and mm. that kind of turned sour later on but um now by the time i got there and we we went into to where did we go to one of the Bupa hospitals or something like that to, to do my medical. Mm. And kind of, I think it was one like near market Harbor somewhere and mm. went in there, met up with the doctor, my agent and did everything kind of microwave medical, just uh, your legs are there. Yep. Your hips are there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause we literally had, we literally had maybe, I think it was about two hours before the deadline closed. So we rushed through, made sure everything was fine. Quick uh, heart scan or whatever, what are they called? The ECGs yeah. to make sure I was living. And <laughs> I know went back to the, met up at Walker, signed the, signed the contracts and had it done. And right after that, I get a phone call from David Kelly. They've accepted an offer. I'm like, that's not working. I said, I'm in Leicester. <laughs> um, I said, sorry, but next time. And then in fairness, they ended up going and signing uh Dave Nugent and uh, Chris Sedgwick. Yeah. So that yeah. kind of worked out for them because Nugent went on to play for, for England. So it's like you, you won the battle there. You signed two lads for less money. From, yeah. From, uh, I, you, from I, mean, I think it was, well, I'm just reading here, 500,000 pounds, half a million. It could have risen up to three quarters of a million. Yeah. So think, that was a lot of money to, 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 to get on. I mean, obviously, we, we certainly got our money's worth. Um, was there any pressure on that? Um. Not when I say pre the thing is pressure is it's everywhere. So even if I was staying at Tramia, there's pressure every game. Yeah. So yeah. going to a club like Leicester, it was like seeing the training facility and seeing the stadium and that and comparing it to what I, I was used to, it was black and white. So yeah. that kind of pressure was there. Mm. The pressure for me was living up to what Danny Tiasso and uh, Momo Silla and Rab Douglas and Dion Dublin and and 
uh, Nisa Johansson and what these guys were used to and what they expected. That was the pressure for me, not pressure from the fans, because I was doing exactly what I wanted to do. And I was, I was playing at a level that was higher than what I was used to. Yeah. So I, you need to test yourself to get better. And I obviously did that at Leicester and I, I just buzzed off it. It was, it was mm. just an incredible move for me. And I think the fact that Leicester were in a rebuild and getting rid of a lot of the big names, a lot of the, the, the wages off the bill. Yeah. Um, like it's, it's crazy when you see what players are making in the championship now Oof. compared to what we were back then. It's yeah. astronomical guys driving around in Bentleys and, uh, Aston Martins and all that. And I'm, I was and all pray for Burnley. I'll tell you. <laughs> hey, but I, I was, I was happy. Well, I was a little bit embarrassed, but I was happy driving yeah. in the, the training facility in my Vauxhall Astra. I was like, okay. Yeah. Hey, oh, don't be knocking an Astra. I love, I love an Astra. Hey, that was <laughs> one of the best drives I ever had, but yeah, I'm the same. A Range Rover and a Bentley. I'm like, I called my wife right after and said, listen, I got to change cars. <laughs> I, I've got it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with turbulent years, like we say, uh, at Leicester, I mean, you, you were there, I think, well, you were there from 2004, you left in 2008, uh, and you had, you had, well, you had Levine, followed by Kelly, followed by Nigel Worthington, followed by Martin Allen, followed by Gary Megson, Ian Holloway. I mean, you must have gone in training every Monday morning thinking, Who's going to be t- who's in charge this week? Yeah, it was it was it was madness. And listen, that was on us. I know that it's mm. it's it's tough to accept, but these things wouldn't have happened if we were performing. And some you'd have individuals do it one week, and then the others would do it the next week. And we never really put together in the in the three seasons I was there. We never really put together good strings of results until the end of the season when our when our asses were on the line. Yeah, and that's that's the the crazy thing is when you look at it on paper, even the year we went down on paper, our team was ridiculous in comparisons to a lot of teams in the yeah. the championship. Yeah, and it's I think too many people blame, and this is players alike. Too many mm. people blame the manager. At the end of the day, we're the ones who go on. You set us up, we go on, and we don't we don't provide the results that we need and. It's we needed a lot more accountability and we had too many people who shirked that. And that's whether it was because we had young players coming through or too many young players, or we had too many guys coming in on loan, or too many guys coming in for money, or what? We 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 just shirked too much accountability and that ultimately is what put us down. And as sad as we all were, like it was heartbreaking that last game at Stoke. It yeah. should never come to that. Should never have. And I for one, I I always gave everything I had, but I'm not clear of blame either. And I, I accept that. And it's tough. It's tough to look back on those days. It is, but I mean, it, this is, um, I'm not saying you know, you're wrong, but I don't, it's, I always look at the manager and thinking, especially these days, the managers are crafting are on as much as the players. And it's the managers that pick the players. It's the managers that set the tactics out. And it, you know, it's the same in any job. You know, if 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 you're in sales, if you're not performing, it's for the manager to to make those decisions about changing things around. And the book stops with them, as they say. Um, but I mean, that that was at the time. I mean, I think we had, um, uh, you know, financially we were struggling. We had Milan Mandrich come in, um, who who signed. 
my other shirt, which is not up yet, is going up this week. Um, remember watching you at a game against away at Accrington in the League Cup under Martin Allen. I mean, you you had a few different ones there. Um, I've got I've got to ask you about well Bob Kelly everybody loved us there and he kept us up that season. Uh, Nigel Worthington was only ever there I think as a caretaker. Very, very good coach by the way. Very well, good, very good manager and it, that I wish they'd have kept Nigel. It well, was, I can say as a fan, I wish they had done. It was so hard. I'll, I'm not going to lie. His training was mm. so intense, and the work we had to do, it was different to what we were used to. Yeah. And when he came in the first session, he's like, okay, everybody outside gets on the whistle and we're, we're instant run. Like, yeah. And I hate running, so I'm not going to lie. Like, I hate <laughs> doing running. Unless you put me on a pitch, Yeah, I hate running I, with, a, with a passion. And I'm, I, I've never denied it. Um, as soon as I'm on a pitch, it's different. But then as soon as you started putting in the, the stats for games and this and that, and we got the pro zone in and we spent – thousands and thousands of pounds to put in this pro zone. And these different managers, statistics took over football. And if you didn't run 10K, you didn't do enough. If you didn't run, if you were this position, you didn't run 8K, it wasn't enough. Nigel Worthington came in and he's like, bollocks to that. Like, let's just go out and work hard. You walk off the field knowing you gave everything, we'll get the result we deserve. And we started doing it. And then we changed (laughs) the season. (laughs) And then we changed it. Yeah, he, he did like to go through his managers, uh, old Milan, didn't he? Um, and, and like I say, I think everybody at the end of that season would have, um, would have, I think he came from Norwich or he went to Norwich, but it was a shame. I think that was sort of one of those ones that got away. Yeah, uh, Northern Ireland job after that season. Ah, uh, that was it. Yes, yes, indeed. And of course, <laughs> from outside, it looked like chalk and cheese with the guy that came in, Martin Allen. Yeah. He was, <laughs> listen, I, I can't say a bad thing about Martin. He was he was actually a very good character. And he was – the issue we had that season, and you can't even beat around the bushes it, with it, was dodgy bringings in. Like, there was too many players who came in on yeah. stupid amounts of money. Like, no disrespect to them. they You come, yeah. you get off the contract, you come in and take it. But yeah. players that were on, like, two and three times as much money as the likes of me, Matty Fryett, Gareth McCauley, like, these – these things shouldn't happen at clubs like that. You shouldn't be bringing in somebody because, uh, oh, well, this guy was great on a video. No. Well, if you haven't seen him play, like, don't. And that, that was our biggest issue that year was, was we had far too many people brought in. Um, loans, uh, unknown transfers, and not saying they didn't do well where they were, mm. but unknown transfers who come into a game or into a league where we didn't need that type of player. Yeah, it was that. That was our biggest downfall that year. And and Martin, in fairness to him, him and uh, Adrian Whitbread were actually top top guys. And they 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 changed things around. It was it was getting rid of that big I am mentality of players. And he did change it. Um, but I like I said, there was far too many. Like the revolving door was there constantly, and it was going. You didn't know who was coming in. I mean, it was. I, I, I don't know. I, can't, I think it was left side. They said we almost had a team of left-sided midfielders on their own. <laughs> there was that many coming in. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, you look at it and it's easy to look back and say and blame uh, Martin Allen. But I think in hindsight, they were all his side. Well, we know, obviously, one of them wasn't <laughs> wasn't his signing um, or wasn't going to be his signing. 
And I'm just looking at the team there. I mean, it, it, it must have looked like a, a scene out of Zulu when, when you all went on the training pitch, when the Zulus are coming over towards Warp's Drift. I mean, there was a hell of a lot. Yeah, there was, there was just far too many. And, like, no, no disrespect to him, young Hossein came in, Kaibi, and he never got a sniff, and the guy's playing in World Cup qualifiers. But he came in on massive money, yeah, and never got a look in. We had Sergio Hellings came in, the guy, great guy, never got a sniff. He was the next big thing out of out of Dutch football, and he played at Anderlecht. And they're like, "Oh my god, this kid's amazing!" Never really got a sniff. Mm. Like it, it was, it was an odd one. Then you had uh, Sean Newton came in. You had uh, Jimmy Nielsen came in, hardly played. If he maybe played a cup game, and again, these guys are coming in on huge money. And we're yeah. like, well, it wasn't broke at the end of last season. We needed a tweak. And he came in and completely reinvented the wheel. And it was, or tried to reinvent the wheel, and that wheel well and truly broke. And it ended up being a problem. And I think I think you only have to look at when Claudio took over from Nigel. He did not come in and, and that season make a lot of changes. It was just a tweak here and a tweak there. Um and, and I'm just trying to Google. I've forgotten. And you remind me who was the player that? Um, oh, I can see him. I can see his face. That uh, Milan wanted and Martin didn't. Oh. Did he come in? No, no. Apparently, he was sent home from out. He was sat in the uh, in in the in the lobby at, at uh, what was then the Walkers, and. Um, it was a Milan signing, and Martin didn't want him. Um, oh. Where was he coming from? Like it, was a, it was a, it was an ex Chelsea player. Um, oh. I, I can't. I, I, I can't. I can't. I'm just seeing here. It's going to annoy me that <laughs> until the end. But uh, somebody will pop up on the comments with the answer for you. Somebody will, hopefully. Somebody will. Uh, I mean, Martin and great guys. I say up at, up at Accrington. I was there with my son because I lived in Burnley at the time, mm -hmm. and um, it, the Martin Allen was stood at the uh, stood at the side uh, watching, you know, the warm up, and we looked at it, and he went. My son said, well, "Why is he? Why is he done that?" When we looked, you know, the team was announced. I said, "I don't know. Go and ask him." And he's like, ah, "I can't do that. I can't do it." I said. Stood there. What worst he can do is tell you to book her off, sort of thing. And he went over, and he spent about fifteen minutes with my son explaining his tactics. I mean, if it was a good job, he wasn't a spy for Accrington Stanley. Uh, and it made it made my son's just total another day. You know, the fact that you know well, he was he was he was very talkative and very approachable. Like that was the first thing he did when he came in. Is he had a team barbecue at the training ground? With all the wives and girlfriends and kids and everything, just yeah. so that everyone understood they were welcome, and it was. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. It's just come back to oh, me. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Like that uh, would have been that would have been a weird one. Like we already had, we already had like five, six strikers. Yeah, and it was like, but then you bring in you bring in like Bruno and Gotti, who Bruno was awesome. He was he was a great guy, and for what he'd done, but he brought him in on massive money, and then you bring in DJ Campbell. Yeah. Like DJ Campbell was on like three times the amount of money, if not more, than me and Matt. I, I felt a shiver go down my back then when you said that. No, but the thing is, DJ was a, a, an amazing goal scorer. Mm. But at the time, it wasn't something we needed. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. wasn't. 
it wasn't an instant we need this let's get him in but it, mm. it was it was frustrating and demoralizing for the likes of myself and matty who okay matty went on to bigger and better things and banging 30 goals the following year and and mm. making the money that he deserved before his injuries but at the time they're bringing in players on like i said three and four times as yeah. much money as us regulars who were playing so that was very demoralizing for us and we didn't know how to take it and we're like well like how do you want us to approach this we're still we're getting good paid decent money mm. but it's also hurts when you've got these guys coming in and sitting behind us yeah just not bothered breaking in the money totally. and dj was a good player and he ended up going on to prove it at blackpool mm. but yeah for us did we have to throw money at him i i didn't think so could have been yeah. spent elsewhere yeah i think as well we went through a period where we bought a lot of players that were names if you like uh that that end of the career no disrespect to them when at the peak they would never have considered coming to leicester no no, no. but yeah but uh i've got to say were were we there when obviously there was the infamous incident uh, and thankfully he was fine was it clark carlisle who had the heart attack i was sat right next to him it was it was uh me uh clarky and uh darren kenton so we were sad at halftime. Listen, we were getting our asses kicked. It was an absolute beat in that first half at Forest. Yeah. And we were lucky it was only 1-0. And we came off and everyone he's like comes in, goes, everyone calm down, relax, have a drink. We'll talk in a minute. So we sat down and Kent was sat, I was sat, and then Clark in the middle. And he just went kind of like head down like that. And we just thought he was ticked off with the half. Head down. And next thing you know, he goes to keel over and Darren or Kent caught him just before he hit the floor. Whoa. So he would have face planted the floor and you never know what could have happened then. No. Kent's just caught him right before he hit the floor. Physios came in and kept him alive. That was yeah. the craziest 15, 20 minutes of my life in football. That was. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Away days are great, but when you can't play away, there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mutt Delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. That was mental and thankfully Dave Rennie and Tom Freeman, the two physios at the time, were as adequately set up and educated as much as they were because they saved his life and thank god yes he was literally the color of your shirt when we were in the change room wow and they that's when they changed all the protocols all the protocols for the defibs they're they're supposed to be every i think it's every 60 feet in a stadium or every 100 feet in a stadium whereas forests were on the far corner from where the change rooms were so that's where their their saint john's ambulance was so Rather than having one around the change rooms and having the ambulance around the change rooms, they're on the opposite di- diagonal corner where the away fans were. And they had to get that over. It took almost 10, 15 minutes. 
Oh, and if yeah. it wasn't for Tom and Dave, Clark mm. would have been would have been and horrible to say it, but thankfully he's all right now. But he would have been dead. It wasn't wasn't even a question, and it was it was scary times. Like it's oh god, yeah. It now, but back then you didn't hear a lot of stuff like that, and for that to happen was mm. was just freakishly scary. And thankfully those those two guys were there. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, because a lot of rumours at the time were that it was brought on because Martin Allen was giving uh, the, the the verbals out, but it doesn't sound like that was the case at all. No, not yet. He he, he did have a go at us, rightfully, but then mm-hmm. said, all right, let, let's settle down, let's everyone have a drink, we'll have a talk in a minute. Mm-hmm. And then that was it, and they asked us if we wanted the game off, and the guys mm-hmm. were like, honestly, like, that's why when we did have the replay, we gave them the goal to start. We knew we were we yeah. were behind, but um, I, nobody was in the right frame of mind, and it was totally, totally, you know, un- understand. And like you say, it's you know, it's bad whenever it happens, but for it to be sat next to you, yeah, um, and fair play to Nottingham for allowing the game to to, to be cancelled. And like you say, we did have then the amazing sight of watching the goalkeeper run the whole length of the field and put the ball in, which I think was morally the right thing to do. Well, we we, we decided who was – Martin Martin Allen decided who was scoring because yeah. you know what football's like, unfortunately, people in and around the game. If you get told, well, we're giving you a goal before the game, then people will lump a bet on somebody and they'll give it to whoever and they'll go and do it. Yeah. So yeah. Martin said right before the game, he goes, okay, well, we're going to give you guys a goal. We're going to start out one nil down, but I'll decide right before kickoff who's going to score. What was it, Martin or Gary Megson that was in control? Was, was it? it? I think it was Gary Megson. Well, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Who didn't stay very long? I mean, I mean, again, he seemed to come in and suddenly things were turning around, and he seemed to tighten it up at the back, and then skidaddled off to um, to, to Bolton in the Premier League. I mean. Yeah. There's your answer. <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. And I've got this. I mean, yeah. I always say, what would I do in that situation? And I, I guess, to be honest with you, it might well be the same. I don't know, but you'd think about it certainly. But what was Milan thinking of? Not tying him down to a contract? I, well, he had. I, um, from what I remember, he had him on till the end of the year. Right. But if a team from the Premier League came in, he was allowed uh. to speak. Right. I may be, I may be absolutely throwing rubbish in yeah. the air there, but yeah. it's. I think that's what what it, what it was, and it's it's one of those things you can't really stand in his way because he might just quit mm. contracts, yeah. if, especially if it's a short term contract. Yeah, it, talking, about, uh, talking about Nottingham Forest, it's almost like they can hear through the ripples, yeah. isn't it? Uh, we get <laughs> Luke in the True Red. Good evening. We we're just talking, Luke, about the game when. Um, we gave you a one nil start, and you still went on to us. So, oh, I thought you didn't mean to say that bit at the end, but um, the Gary didn't go. And then Ian Holloway came in, and I've got to be honest with you, I like the guy. I do again. Uh, he was he was then manager when my other son was um, uh, mascot at the away game at Burnley, um, and. You know, he wanted to come, and that was the thing. You know, he was so desperate to come that he was on gardening leave, I think, at Plymouth. Um, but I think we were just doomed by then, weren't we? You know, we were it, already down. It's, a, it's an odd one because 
when he came in, and I don't say this with any disrespect, I think they gave him too much. Right. Like he came in and in the January transfer window, they said, here's a, here's your coffers. Go and do with it what you please. But if you want to bring players in, we have to get players out. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I can't remember what the figure was. I don't know if it was like five mil. He mm-hmm. came in and gave him five million and goes, listen, you need to get guys off the books. You need to get players in. And he had ideas of who he wanted, who he brought in. Like for me right away, Stevie Howard and Matty Oakley were, were perfect signings. Mm. Um, even if like Stevie coming in hindered my playing time sometimes. He yeah. was he was a player who just got promoted with Derby. He was he was him and Matty both done it. They both got up there. They both knew what it was like. Um and they were the types of characters who you'd you kind of want to grind out points. Mm. Um but the issue was he had to get rid of loads of players and then he's doing this and bringing these guys in from well, essentially Premier League clubs in Derby at the time. And I think they'd just been relegated and they were still on big money and whatever. So he had to give them massive money. And I think it was just, a, if, if Ian could have come in and maybe got a pe- couple people off the books, I think he'd have got us to stay up. Yeah. Because yeah. he wouldn't have had to fill the voids of players that he's trying to get rid of. And we'd have had the same kind of mentality going through and the same people fighting for each other. Yeah. Again, more change, more change happening and, I wish I actually wish he'd have stayed after we got relegated. Yeah, I I, I always say it was the, the to me it was possibly the right manager, but just at, unfortunately the wrong time. Yeah, exactly. You know? uh, and he you know he had the, the the players and did he did he not end up playing you on the wing uh, at some point? Well, Martin Allen, Martin Allen played me right wing um, for the yeah. most most points um, because he had DJ and all that, and then I started going up front after after Megson. Or with Megson, um, but Ollie played me wherever he could. And in fairness, I played left wing, right wing, up front. Um, it didn't really bother me uh, when I was scoring goals with me, when me and Matty were the partnership up front. You couldn't play me anywhere but up front because no, we, no. we had a chemistry which was it's something. Okay, we didn't score forty goals each, but we were constant threats, and yeah. we worked for each other, and we were great friends off the field. So that helped because we we'd hammer each other on the field and then mm. each other a cuddle and all that. Like it was one of those. Yeah. Um, so we we had that success, and that's what a lot of managers you can't buy. No, no. That's where I th- I think if it wasn't for that, and I'm not putting it just on us, it was a team thing. But yeah, if it wasn't for our friendship as as people off the field. I think the first year I was there when we were fighting relegation, I think it might not have gone that way. Mm. Um, but well, it wasn't the biggest strike partnership going, was it? <laughs> it wasn't. But we were we we were pests. Yes, definitely. and Matty, listen, Matty, I I was happy to do his work. I mm. was over the moon to do the running for him because he was such a good finisher. Yeah, like he was he was awkward. He was quick without being rapid. He was a yes. very good finisher without looking technically good. It's, yes. it's a weird. It's a weird one and. He, he was such a great lad and we just, we buzzed off each other all the time. And I didn't mind challenging people in the air for him to take the scraps or him to get on the flick ons. And it I was think it's a partnership, isn't it? Yeah. And it's like Andy Cole and Dwight York, they weren't huge. Yeah. yeah. They were, I think Andy Cole was like five, nine. And I think Dwight York was like five, 10, five, 11. 
<clears throat> we weren't too dissimilar. We had, um, like you say, strikers are remembered for scoring goals. And if they're not scoring goals, they're often pilloried. Um, and uh, w- w- one of those was, um, well, two of those while, while you were you were at the club that seemed to struggle, uh, the wonderfully sounding Elvis Hammond and the equally bad at aiming uh, wherever he's shooting uh, Mark De Vries. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he will always be remembered for that goal against Spurs in the FA Cup, but even that was scuffed in. I mean, <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm not expecting you to sort of say, but did you ever look around and thinking like, we're better than that? Not at all, because those guys trained every day. Mm. And Elvis was probably the hardest player to play against. Really? Because he was rapid. Like, he was mm. the fastest striker we had. He was yeah. strong as an ox. Yeah. And it just didn't land for him in the in the first team. Mm. When, but then Mark DeVries was unplayable. When he was good, he was unplayable. But you just didn't see a lot of, a lot of it at Leicester. He went, at hearts, he would do the same yeah. thing every week. Like he was, he was just a beast. He was six three, six four, however many stone. Like he was probably one hundred and ten kilos, but he wasn't a heavy one hundred and ten kilos. Like a fat guy, no. he was just big. He was, mm. he was, he was the same size as Steve Howard, maybe a tiny bit bigger in height. Same build, same style of player, just wasn't as. No, it doesn't. It doesn't work out for some players, yeah. does it? You know, he just wasn't um, as well rounded as Stevie was. No, no. Um, you then, uh, how, how did the move? Because you then moved to the Indian, the Indian Super League. Uh, After that, no, I, I went to I went to Barnsley, didn't I? So I went to Barnsley. Oh, from... oh, sorry. Yes, you did. You went to Barnsley and Preston. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, yeah no. Well, that that last season with with Leicester when we were fighting it and like. Ollie came into us on the last deadline, the January deadline day, and had us all sat down in the gym at the training ground. And he's like, listen, he goes, I know we're struggling. We're fighting relegation. He goes, I need to know. He goes, if you if you have irons in the fire and you want to leave, leave. Tell me now. We need people who are on board. Yeah. And everybody said, no, we're here. We're staying. He goes, okay, so get your agents to turn the phones off. We're all staying. We're doing this. <clears throat> I got in the car, so we were all obviously done for the day. I got in the car, drove up to Loughborough where I was living. And by the time I got home, like I said to my wife as we got in, because there was things about Preston coming back in. And so I'd, I'd gone to my wife and said, listen, stop thinking about it. We're not going. Mm-hmm. We'll revisit at the end of the year and see what's going on. And I hadn't even finished the sentence fully with her. And Andrew Neville at the time was the club secretary. Is he still there? Andrew? No, I don't think he is now. No. So, but Andrew called me. He yeah. goes, oh, so do you know what's happening? And I'm like, well, wh- what do you mean? He goes, uh, the chairman's accepted an offer for you. So I'm like, okay, that's news to me. He goes, yeah, uh, Preston North End have put in an offer for you. We've accepted. So I'm like, oh, okay, uh, let me call you back. Called Ollie. said, Ollie, what the is going on? <laughs> yeah. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, I've just got a call off Andrew. Uh, Milan's accepted a offer for me. Said I thought we were all, everyone's on the ship. Like we're not going. Yeah. And he's like, I'll call you back in five. So he calls me back in five minutes. He goes, do whatever you want. He goes, 
This guy doesn't give a crap about the club. He doesn't give a crap about what I'm saying to him. If you if you've got an offer and it's right for you and the family, go. So I'm like, no, I'm staying. I told you that. I'm I'm I've already told you today. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. So we'll stay. He goes, okay, perfect. So I, I called up Preston and said, listen, I think it was I don't know if it was Billy Davis at the time, or it was either Billy Davis or uh, no, it was Alan Irvine actually. Sorry, mm-hmm. Billy Davis was when I when I first moved to Leicester. Yeah, Alan Irvine was in charge, and I think I don't know if Rob Kelly was up there with him by then. I think he'd gone up, so mm-hmm. Rob must have had a say in in his ear about me, and I just messaged him said, "Listen, not not right now. I'm, I've got something to fight for, and whatever. Let's." Let's revisit, see what goes on. And Ollie just lost all faith in ownership and things. Yeah. He, he was frustrated as hell. And then the end of the season, uh, Preston came back in. Obviously, we'd just been relegated. And I, I still had another year on my contract or another year and a half on my contract. And they just messed around a little bit. Like they accepted like a third of the money they sold me for. So they accepted like 400000 or something in January. And then sold me for over a million in the summer. But I wanted to stay. But they came into me in the offseason and said, well, the contract they had on file to the contract me and my agent had on file weren't the same. It, wow. said, it said that my wages cut in half. Which happens. I know it does. But it wasn't yeah. something I was aware of myself signing. So I was content. I bought into a new mortgage in Loughborough and uh, pumping my money into it. And I was looking yeah. for it. I, I still had time on my contract. and. Because I'd signed a new one halfway through. So yeah, I, yeah like, you did. I still had two years left, two and a half yeah. years left. And they're like, oh, no, well, the one we've got on file and the FA have says it cuts in half. I said, well, you've offered, and I knew because I was good friends with some of the players who were being shopped around. I said, yeah. you've offered this guy X amount of money to say, stay on his contract, stay and fight. I said, well, if you can do that with me, I would, and by the way, I wasn't on massive, massive, massive. Yeah. I was on a lot less than others. I'm like, if you can do the same for me, I'm staying. I've got time left on my deal. I'm happy to stay. Oh, well, we can't do that. We haven't said that to anybody. I said, that bullshit. Mm. I said, because I know my my, my teammate, yeah. I'm very good friends with, has told me this. Mm. And and end of the day, he's like, well, we can't do it. I said, well, then I can't stay. I said, I'm, it is solely a financial reason. I can't stay. Yeah. I, I just couldn't afford to do it. And that was, I couldn't buy out of my mortgage. I couldn't do that. My wife wasn't making money. My wife, my wife was only working part-time because of a, obviously my job. Yeah. So it was something I just could not do for my family. And it, it broke my heart doing it, but it is, it is what it is. And mm-hmm. I always, I still have regrets. I should have stayed because winning promotion the next year and then potentially yeah. getting a new contract and the new owners had come in and um, it would have been perfect place to be for me. You you weren't to know, were you? Though let's be honest. Well, none of us none of us were to know. Yeah. That's it. And I'm happy that like I'm buzzing for the club the way it went afterwards, winning and obviously Matty and Andy King and that just killing it in League One and uh, getting promoted, and then a couple of years later missing out on playoffs and then getting promoted. And it was it was just incredible to watch as a like mm. not going to lie, I'm a fan because I obviously yeah. spent three years there, but that move to Barnsley. Who knows? Like, if I don't move there, does anything that happened in my career happen? Do I yeah. fracture my skull? And you never know. Yeah. And yeah. that was literally fourteen games into my time at 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 Barnsley. 
And and that was that must have been awful for you. Well, obviously, talk about stating the obvious, really. But <laughs> you know, um, I mean, I, I guess you're thinking that's it. It's over for you. Funny enough, I wasn't. Uh, you you seen me playing for Leicester. You seen me mm. playing through the years. One thing you can't tell me to do is stop, and that's it. Like you've got to. This is what you got to do. You can't tell me what to do. You can't tell me how to how to play and how to work the way I worked if I had limits to it. And as soon as it happened, I was asking, like, obviously after the operation and everything, I was asking, like, how long is it going to be? Right. And I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying I'm a big tough guy and all that. I'm not. It's just I have nothing else to fall onto. I'm not at a club that's big enough that's going to give me a job for the rest of my career or give me a coaching job right away where I'm going to make thousands and thousands of pounds a week. I have nothing else to fall onto. I don't have an education. I don't have any other trades that I'm good at. So football's my life. And it always has been, always will be. So telling me I can't play football is the wrong comment to be making to me. And I was I was back training. It happened in November. I was back training with the squad or training on my own with the physio just after New Year's. Mm. And I was back training with the squad by the end of March. Mm. So it was it was something that for me it was a it was never a question of whether I'd be stopping playing. It's when can I get back? It, it was an elbow to the head, wasn't it? And well, you know, because they never took any action against. Uh, I'm trying to see the guy. I think was it Chris Morgan? Yeah. Uh, and have you have you met him since? Or well, there was there was a civil suit going on. A lot of people wanted it to be a. A criminal suit but i i didn't need that um mm. i i just needed the vet the, the thing that would have changed it is if he'd apologized or come and spoke to me or like right after yeah i never heard anything then when i, I played my first game the next preseason, i get a text message through congrats on or great to see you back on the field hopefully we can sit down and have a beer over this sometime that's eight and a half months later oh, like yeah. you can go float yourself like seriously yeah um but we played we played them the year after it was a uh, they sky being being the the nice guys that they are put mm -hmm. a game chef wedding against barnsley on sky because obviously it's my first time yeah. back in sky and yeah playing against them and he's injured and or i think he was injured i was suspended or vice versa and they were devastated because obviously local Yorkshire rival and yes, yeah, you want to see going up against each other both out yeah. the game. Yeah. Um, but we played them again that year at Bramall Lane, and he was given the whole "oh, come shake my hand, make it look good for the cameras" and all that. Uh, like, do me a favor. Yes. Whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I listen. I I genuinely don't care. I don't hold grudges against people for stuff like that. It it was it was dirty as hell. He didn't mean to hurt me the way he hurt me. He, he meant to hurt me, but not. I'll tell him in my next question. Yeah, he's he's meant to catch me. Like you watch anybody watches the video, he's mm. he's meant to catch me, and I'm I'm done with it. I don't care. But he didn't mean to do what he did, so I'll defend him on that front. Yeah, he never meant to put me in hospital. He never meant no, to no. really kill me. <laughs> it's it's not <laughs> it's not that, but whatever. It it's gone, and I like I talk about it all the time. I'm I'm open to all the talk about it. Yeah. But I'll never place blame on him and how it, the extent that it went to. Yeah. Um, but again, he he retired through injury the year later. So it was kind of, 
one of those things and justice there really that's it know. like I'm, I'm not gonna be petty and give him a text message and say oh sorry to see you've had to retire buddy hopefully we can have a beer over i'm not that i'm not gonna do that petty stuff no i no. I, I went on to play another 250 300 games so mm. it's, it's not anything that really bothered me was it a bit like i mean I don't know if you've seen, you know, it's in the film with the story. Um, uh, Rush, and it was um, Nicky Lauda when he had the accident. And it was the sport that kept him going. That was his aim. And it sounds a little bit more like, you know, with yourself, that was what you were aiming at. Oh, like yes, he said, you know, you didn't have maybe a lot of other options, but that was your goal. You had something to actually still aim for. Yeah, 100%. Like that, that football's my life. And it always has been even from like five years old, all I've wanted to do is play with the ball. So you take that away from me, what happens? Mm. It's no, I'm that one. And, and it's not even about the financial reasons. It's, mm. I don't know what I'd do without football. Yeah. So I, I, I was straight on. And my first touch in the game, when I came back the next year, we played against, I think it was Gainsborough Trinity in the preseason game of Barnsley. And my first touch was a header. And do you remember A.D. Moses? Big centre back. Name rings a bell, yeah. He played for years, and I think he played at West Brom. And yeah, played around the leagues, and towards Mm -hmm. the end, he played played lower leagues and all that. And he was playing at Gainsborough, and I'd I'd played against him for years, and he welcomed me back on the field. Great to see you back out there, pal. And ball comes in the box. I jump up, go to head it, and he goes, "What the hell are you doing?" Said, "What do you mean?" He goes. What are you doing? I said, heading the ball. And he's like, you're running behind me because I'd, I'd headed it just over the bar and we're mm-hmm. jogging back for the goal kick and all that. He goes, you're a bloody idiot. <laughs> it's, it's something, the fact that that was the first thing I did yeah, told me everything was going to be fine. And my wife will tell you different. My head's been a little bit screwed up for the last <laughs> couple of years. But it's, uh, it's, no, it, it, was, it was great to be back out. And it's, it's the only thing I've ever known. You did end up... Eventually at Preston, uh, but after Preston, I do apologise. <laughs> no disrespect to Barnsley or Preston, but I'm just like, you know, the Indian Super League. I mean, you know, you talk to players like they've gone to these days, Saudi and, you know, America when that was going off. I mean, how, how did how – and you, you had great success in India, let's be honest. You know, you put a few clubs there, you, you won things over there. How, how did that come about? Well, Foxes fans will be happy to hear this. Um, so <laughs> it was when you guys got promoted. Um, I had a, I had a, I was doing a, an interview with, uh, I don't know if you know Andy May. He did a lot of stuff for BT Sport. He's one of the, the reporters for BT Sport, or he oh, was. So he was yeah. doing some freelance stuff for, it was kind of a mix between BT Sport and our TV or our sports network over here, TSN. Yeah. And he's like, who better to talk to than a Leicester player who's from Canada, who obviously both sides of the pond will know who he is. So we did an interview about it. Uh, he came down and seen me in in Tranmere. So we'd moved back to Tranmere when I was at Preston. And he'd come to see me and they're like, oh, so how do you think, like we're going on about how, we, how I thought the Foxes would do do I think they'd stay up? Do I think they'd push for, for Europe? And I said, I'll be perfectly honest. I think they'll finish mid-table, maybe just above mid-table. I said, they've got the the, the fundamental core of their team. Mm. 
is set for for playing in the prem and they if they add to it if their their owners are splashing money then they'll be fine and then at the end of the the interview and everything he's like have you heard about this new league in india and i'm like to be honest no and I'd, I'd never been out of contract so this was me my first ever time in my career yeah contract so i was 30 years old and i'd never been out of contract so that was it was weird and i was trying to get to the mls i was trying to come over to toronto or to vancouver yeah. montreal and all this pie in the sky stuff that people were saying they were interested they never ended up showing full interest so this one comes up and he goes have you heard about this and he goes they've asked me to go out and do some some punditry or some commentator commentate commentary work yeah he goes i can't do it because i'm signing into a deal with bt and i'm like no i haven't he goes well here call this guy so i call give it to my agent got him to call him up and they're like yeah in a heartbeat like we don't have a canadian player in the league we don't have an international current international in the league with yeah. this that the other like get him in and it wasn't even money like the money wasn't and i'll be honest it was the lowest paycheck of my career right like since my first couple of years at yeah Trump, it was the lowest paycheck of my career but it was like you know what i'm 30 years old i've played 500 games plus 500 plus games and i'm fighting for a trial I'm like i'm not i'm not doing this mm. i need to get away from this like there's far too many politics going on around and that was just my feeling and yeah. people might think it's i'll suck it up and go on trial well i, I would i would have done it if nothing would have come up but at coming up 30 years old and playing the amount of games I've played and been through what I've been through. I didn't want to do that. I was, I was being kind of snooty about it. And so I went to, went out there and they're like, here's the contract. Every foreign players on this amount, unless you're a, a marquee player. So every foreign players on similar amount, um, the local players, the domestic players will be on different types, but it's a draft. So, I literally went to bed and there was a draft in the morning because there's obviously what six and a half hour, seven hour difference. Mm -hmm. And I woke up knowing I'd been drafted to Carol Blasters. And it ended up being so I went out there with David James, was my player coach. You had Michael Chopra went first overall, um, obviously being of Indian origin. Yeah. Big I am that they were bringing out there. Yeah. And then so he went first overall. I went first in the second round. And it was weird. It was incredible, but it was weird because I ended up playing against people I'd only been near in football manager and FIFA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, five years you, you went, uh, can you remember everything you won over there? Um, majority of them. Yeah. So the first year I won, so I lost in the finals with Kerala. We were, we were favorites for the wooden spoon. Oh. We got to the final. Yeah. Um, I had a good season and I didn't score a lot of goals, but I did what I do. Yeah. And pain in the ass to everybody around me. Um, we got the finals and lost in the 95th minute. That year I won the player of the year. So that was voted for by the the managers of all the teams yeah. and the players and whatever. And I won the foreign player of the year, uh, which was kind of like the the FA or the PFA sort of player of the year or players mm, of the yeah. year sort of thing so i did that uh second year i so first year i was in team of the year second year i was in team of the year third year i was in team of the year and won the trophy um i won fittest player of the year which is a weird trophy but 
the second in the second season I won fittest player of the year. I played every minute bar seven. Aye. Um and then I was in team of the year for the first three years. Fourth year, I snapped my ACL. Uh. <laughs> so I went back to Kerala uh in my fourth year and snapped my ACL just after just after Christmas. Uh. So that was the end of my season there. And then mm-hmm. I kind of went back for one more year <laughs> at um, Pune or FC Pune. I didn't really play as much as I would have hoped until towards the end of the season with the recovery from my knee and everything. And then I just decided it was, you know, Adam. Yeah. I'm yeah. at the end of my, my wick. So I kind of yeah. wanted to go out while I could still walk. And yeah, I, I could have, I could have probably forced out a couple more years if I'd have, Got in the right environment and got in the right setup, uh, but it was one of those things. Family over football. Yeah, Nate says there. Us Foxes fans loved you, Ian. Um, and Nate, just a few questions here that that were in the, in the chat. Uh, Nate says we talk sometimes about players from other countries coming to England and it taking time to adjust. Uh, what was it like adjusting to the culture in India and building the sport on another continent? I absolutely loved it. I'm not going to lie. I absolutely loved it. Uh, see, I'm not a, I'm not a big creator. Mm. Like it's, it's, it's something I've never hidden from. I like, I like all your meats and everything. So I went over there. So the culture, as far as the food went, I was a little bit picky with it. But everything. Well, I would be the same. Um, I, I don't mind a curry, but a curry hates me. If you get my yeah, food. no, I get that. But that was it. First things you were told: don't drink tap water. Yes, and don't eat street meat. Yeah. So that we we held them to the highest. They were like up here. Okay, we got training. We got to be here at nine o'clock. But don't eat street meat. Don't drink tap water. Um. So they were right up there. But uh, no, it was it was good, and I, it, it it was a lot easier because it was into our contracts. We stayed in hotels, so our food was always cooked by chefs. We yeah. we weren't cooking for ourselves. We we had a very good group of players. We weren't the best technically with Kerala Blasters in the first year, but we had a very, very good group of guys, like in, incredible. The, the domestic players and the foreign, we were we were a proper team and we would kill for each other. And that's what yeah. got us to the final. And I made it my kind of aim from the get-go was I'm not going to alienate anybody. Mm. If I'm going out, I'll go out and I'll ask the Indian players if they want to go out, if they want to go for a walk, go to pub yeah. watch a game, go to the pub in the hotel, watch a game. We we just made sure that our team, our squad was really well knit. So that eased it for me and it eased it for them to not feel nervous around talking around foreign players. And yeah, yes. And we didn't have any big wigs. So we didn't we had David James, but Jamal was the cat was the coach. Yeah. We didn't have a like first season who was there. There was David Trezeguet, there was uh Freddie Lumberg Nicholas Anelka, Robert Perez, Del Piero, Cap de Villa, um, Luis Garcia. We didn't have any of those guys. We didn't have guys who were coming in with entourages and this and that, and you couldn't go near them. We were all normal people. I'm not saying we're not, yeah. but we're not the marquees. We were, we were yeah. professionals who were playing in a professional team. And no, we no, no, were, I, I get what you mean. And the funny thing is that Dan uh, – Dan did ask this earlier, uh, and <laughs> just perfect timing because I was just going about to ask you this. He says, "How do you, as a player, deal with fellow professionals who come in with an ego?" It happens. It's yeah. 
like, and that's any team. So any squad you're in, doesn't matter where you are. There's people from different walks of life who have different egos and different approaches to everything. And whether it be a French player, Dutch player, English player, Scottish player, uh, Portuguese, Spanish, they're all, everyone comes in with a different mentality. And yeah. it's how do we adapt? And like, you can't find me a team in the Premier League right now who hasn't got one or a handful of egos in it. Yeah. But well, how, yes. <laughs> how does the rest of the squad adapt around them? Mm. And how do they accept what they do whilst obviously policing it a little bit? Yes. And that's that's it. That's literally every club I've been in. You've had people like that. And you'll have people who come in to train, go home. They won't yeah. go out for a coffee. They won't go out for a like a walk down the yeah down the front or what they they there's people who just don't do it. Mm. And it's weird because at Leicester we didn't have that. We had we had a couple egos, but a lot of our team was very good friends. So a lot of them yeah. came through the youth system and all that. So we mm. didn't have that. Then I moved to Barnsley and majority of players with not with the ego side of it, majority of players didn't live in Barnsley. So they mm. lived in Leeds, Sheffield, uh, Derby, Mansfield, uh, Manchester, Liverpool. So everyone finished training, got in the car and pissed off. Yeah. Like, and that's yeah. why we we never really went anywhere. We were mid, mid to lower uh, end of the championship. We languished there for years and it just never changed. And you get it at every club. And in India with the, with the egos, we had to squash that early. We, mm. like even your top name Indian player, they had to make sure that everything was kind of copacetic. Everything was in involved with everyone was involved with each other. Everything was in line with each other. It comes down to foreign foreign players and domestic, but your your older heads and just yeah. saying, listen, if we want to be successful, like this stuff needs to happen. And yeah, I think it, you get that in every team. Last ones now, and I appreciate it. <laughs> This has probably gone on actually longest of, of any of the uh, Sorry, which is brilliant. No, I mean, I could still be here at two o'clock in the morning here <laughs> if I was allowed to. But I know you've obviously got things to do, but just the last one, well, last two from Nate here. Um, best atmosphere you ever played um, in either home or away and your favourite goal you've ever scored? It's it's madness because, and I, I don't say this with any prejudice, I Playing in India was insane, and I loved it there. I was there for five seasons, but playing in front of 75, 80,000 people was insane, and when they're all on your side, it's even better. Yes. And then, again, the best goal I ever scored, actual, like, I played, scored a goal in the, the cup final in year two I was out there, mm -hmm. and or the cup semifinal, sorry. Ball comes into me back to goal, flicked it round to my strike partner, he popped it up for me and I ran on left foot volley in the in off the crossbar. Yeah. And it's the I've got other ones that obviously meant more. Yeah. Like getting us through in the FA Cup with Tranmere scored two bangers. Uh one against Bolton, one against Swansea. Um scored some great goals with Leicester. My one against Watford was up there with one of my best. Um yeah. I scored a couple against Southampton. I think it was that year as well or the year before. And I'm a weird one. I enjoy every goal as much as the other. It's even no, nothing, wrong, nothing wrong with that. And it's interesting to see that your memories are of your time in India, which is, is great. Uh, um, it says, says so much about you. Ian, I, like I said, right at the start, I mean, you know, 
I, I have to pinch myself that I'm doing this and I'm talking to my heroes and you were one of those on that pitch. I mean, I say there's been so many hooms in the, in the chat. I can't put them all up. Um, really, thank you for everything you did at Leicester. And thank you so much for giving up your own time to come on here and do this. And glad everything is going so well for you over there in Canada. Um, and probably don't blend you being over there the way things are going in this country at the moment. It's not too dissimilar here. Is it's, it? Oh, God. Yeah, I, was going, I got in my mind then this utopia of, you know. Uh, I wish cost of living is not, listen, it's not as, as drastic as back home, but it's it's not easy either. And it's it's frustrating a lot of people around the country. And it's, yeah. I hope everything evens itself out and makes it I'm, a lot more. Hey, I'm ready. sure it will. It, we, 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 well, at the end of the day, whatever happens, we haven't got, you know, missiles going off around our heads and things like that. So we have to count ourselves lucky. That's what I mean, I, I have, like I said, there's a friend of the channel, Melina, and she's uh, she's based in uh, Toronto, I think it is. And I watched, there's a, there's a, tele, there's a Netflix program, Don't, F E C K with cats, and, and it's about it's about a Canadian serial killer. So actually thinking about it, maybe it isn't any different over there. Yeah, I'm, I'm two hours from there, so don't worry about that. <laughs> we can deal with that there. Don't buy a cat, whatever you do. I'll tell you. <laughs> it's been a pleasure, mate, and I say thank you so so much for giving up your time and coming on. Really, really do appreciate it. All the best to you and your family moving forward. Thank and you very much. Continue being a stallion. <laughs> hey, I will do for a while. Season, I'm just, I'm just ramping it up for a season now, so we're, we're getting ready to go and, and push for everything. So um, That's another team I'm going to have to follow there now. You go, all your fans there, get following us on social media, Woodstock Stallions Prem Team. <laughs> you you go. Go. There's you got to hate about that name, Woodstock or Stallions. I love yeah. it. I love it. I will I will be, we'll keep in touch, hopefully. I'll see how the TFC follow the team. And uh, thank you so much and all the best to, to say you and your family. Thanks again for having me on. And anytime, if you want to have a chat in the next couple of months, six months, a year, doesn't matter. Just fire me a text. We'll get it sorted. We'll, 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 say we'll keep an eye. We'll have, we'll have a chat about Woodstock later in the season. Perfect. Brilliant. Right. Again, you're a gentleman, sir. Thank yeah. you so very much. Yeah, thank you again. Take care. Thank yeah. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much to Ian there. Really do appreciate it um, when these guys give up because it's their own personal time. He's got a job. Uh, I mean, Woodstock Stallions, what a name for a football club. You can't not like it. We're going to have to do something for Woodstock Stallions, I'll tell you. We really, really are. Um, but, uh, let me tell you what's, what's coming up next. What's coming up next, Chris? Coming up next on Leicester Till I Die TV. Tomorrow night, half past eight, uh, I'm going to be joined by Rich from Rich Sports, uh, a huge, huge fan of Manchester United. And tomorrow night at half eight, we're going to have half an hour's worth of stats and then he's going to join us. Uh, Brad standing in for Craig, who uh, is watching Nottingham Forest this week. I'm sorry. Is at the Comedy Awards, so I always get those two mixed up. <laughs> so from 8.30 tomorrow, it is the match preview ahead uh, of Manchester United. Can we keep it going? Can we keep it going? That is the question. <laughs> and 
<laughs> I've got to say, I wish I still got your picture to the, that goes with that comment. Um, you certainly, I don't know about being a stallion, mate, but you certainly have a midweek semi. Um, what was it tonight? Arsenal 1, Manchester City 3. I went on, well, I didn't go on Stephen's channel earlier. Stephen Featley, do go over and support him. Does a hell of a lot for the Children's Liver Foundation. Please go and get over there and give him your support. It, it, it is a, such a worthwhile cause. And, you know, just go over and support him. But I, I was actually, I was in the chat and um, <laughs> I went fishing, shall we say. And I got myself a huge Stephen fish. Um, and he wasn't very happy. <laughs> God knows what it'd be like now after losing to Man City 3-1. <laughs> but, uh, but look, see you tomorrow at half past eight. Thank you to everybody that's been watching on YouTube and on Twitch, Lester Till I Die TV. Please give us a subscribe if you've been new. Uh, if you Even if you're not new and you're old like Anthony, please still, still smash those likes buttons. I cannot keep telling you how much that helps the channel. And if you are listening to this on your favourite podcast platform, if that's Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Google, or any other, um, we thank you for lending us your ears. You can have them back now. Um, Arsenal are not winning the league, Chris, says Anthony. Well, it's all going a little bit wrong. All I'll say is thank everybody listening or watching. It's Tony. Thanks for watching. These videos are tremendous. You'd better like them too or I'll be back. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Thanks for watching Lester Till I Die. This is Chris saying goodbye and see you next time. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.